You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here, along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast, for all podcast updates and more. Great show tonight. Braden Gall of Athlon Sports will be joining us to talk about NIL, Nebraska, and more. So let's get right to it. We now welcome in Braden Gall of Athlon Sports and 440 Sports. Welcome, Braden. How are you guys? Good to see you guys. Hey, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us here. Uh, We brought you on to talk some NIL here. Uh, You know, we're two weeks in from the NCAA passing uh, name, image, and likeness that allows all the student athletes out there to profit off of their own name, image, and likeness. And uh, we've seen some crazy things so far in just the two weeks. Uh, We have uh, Master P's son getting a $2 million endorsement through, (laughs) uh, what is it, Web Apps America here. Never heard of it, but that's cool. Uh, Then you see things like uh, with the Miami football team with their team-wide sponsorship by American Top uh, team, an MMA company. They're offering 90 scholarship players like a $500 a month endorsement. So obviously all the players are winning in this. And it's great for college football, the student athlete. But is this a good thing for the schools? I, I think it is. Um, I mean, if you're a school that has a boatload of cash, aren't you already spending most of that on college football in some way, shape, or form anyway? So I, I think what it does is it takes the schools that have all that cash and have not been translating that into wins and allows them to maybe perhaps be a little bit more efficient with their spending, right? It, it gives them a little bit more, just a touch more ROI. Um, and, and I think, you know, in particular, I think Nebraska is a, a potential big beneficiary of this. So I, I think programs... Traditionally, I would argue programs like South Carolina, Wisconsin, uh, a lot of Big Ten West programs, actually, Iowa. Uh, if, if you've got a large, rabid fan base that has money to spend, but you don't have a great recruiting base, that to me is what you can leverage to to elevate your recruiting. I mean, I, I again, I don't, I mean, are there going to be problems with the NCAA? It's the NCAA, so of course. Um, but I think, I think when you look at teams that have powerful groups of people that care deeply about their product, um, I, I you know, the Miami thing you mentioned is interesting because it's basic, it's, it's essentially pay for play, which is fine. Again, I don't care. Like, again, if a guy wants to spend $500 a month on 90, I mean, that's a lot of money. <laughs> like I run a small business. I don't have that kind of cash. Um, if that, like he's not allowed to be a booster. He's not allowed to be a donor. He's not allowed to have the golf outings with the coach on Monday mornings, like all the big boosters and donors get like, there's going to be a line of demarcation and sacrifices you have to make. But if you're a Miami football player, you just put on the Jersey and you get 500 bucks a month extra. That's attractive. And if Nebraska could do that or South Carolina could do that, or Wisconsin could do that because of their large fan base and not great recruiting base, then I think maybe it helps you close the gap on on Ohio State in the Big Ten or Alabama in the SEC or Clemson in the ACC, if, they, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, but as we head down, how do we measure uh, the success of NIL 
for the schools, like how it's going from team to team. Who's the winners and who's the losers? What's that measurement? I mean, I guess it depends on, like for me, I'm going to look at every school evenly and I'm going to say what's best for the sport sort of writ large, right? Like my goal as a fan is, is to see the sport as healthy as possible across every region. I want the Pac-12 interested in the sport deep into November. I want the Midwest to be as passionate. I mean, I, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from the Midwest originally. Um, I, I'd like the Midwest to be deeply interested in games that are nas- of national importance deep into November. I, the Northeast, I want that to be more interested. So how how healthy can we make the sport is my primary concern. Along with that comes extra playoff spots and kids making extra money from from endorsement deals and all this other stuff we're talking about. But if that makes the sport healthier, then I, I, you know, I don't really have a problem with it. And, and frankly, as a capitalist who enjoys freedom in this country, I think it's kind of ridiculous that we waited 30 or 40 years to give people money for their hard work. I don't, I don't know. Just call me crazy. Um, so if a kid's worth X, Y, Z dollars, like they should get paid X, Y, Z dollars. Like that's it. Like it's sort of not that much, much more complicated than that for me. And um, I, I think 10, 10 or 12 years, we're not going to know, like to answer your question directly. I don't, I don't think we're going to know the answer for 10 or 12 years. I, I think we need to see what the long-term effects are before we, you know, did it really actually affect recruiting? And in particular in the big 10, where the, where Ohio state is just so far ahead of everybody else. In recruiting, you know, did Michigan get one extra player? Did Penn State get one extra player? Did Nebraska get one extra player? Wisconsin, Iowa. If everybody in the Big Ten is able to peel just one dude away from Ohio State per cycle, all of a sudden Ohio State's got eight less dudes. And and that changes the balance of power in the conference. It may not change Wisconsin or Iowa or Nebraska, but it might it might bring Ohio State. It might put a parachute on them while they're running their, you know, four three forties or something like that, I guess. So that that's the, probably not for a while to answer your question. It's not, it, you know, the athletes win immediately. Hopefully balance of college football and the health of college football is what wins long-term. So do you think by any chance, 10 years down the road, we look at back at NIL and the transfer portal and people are like, what the hell did, what the hell did they do to the sport? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a chance. Um, I just don't see how it affects your experience on Saturdays in the fall as a fan. And I think there's some self-correction that's going to happen in the market. Honestly, like if, 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 you know, if a thousand, let's just, I'll just make up numbers here. So don't, don't quote me on any of this, but like if a thousand kids go into the portal every year and come out without, without a job, quote unquote, right. Without a scholarship. We know it's more than that. We know it's like 1,800 or whatever that are going in each year. And, and a good chunk come out with a scholarship. Some go up. The majority go down. So the rich are actually passing some of those players back down to the group of five or less than or whatever you want to call it statistically. But if enough players go into that portal and realize there are no scholarships to be had, eventually that's going to correct itself. Like, like eventually that's just going to sort of – we're going to see an uptick for a couple of years and we're going to go, what the hell are we doing? And then I think it'll start to slowly come back down. And I think the same thing is with endorsements. Like if you're a, a business and and you want to go out and sponsor a quarterback or a running back or a offensive line, and you think it's real fun and cute and cheeky for a couple of years to spend 10 grand on the offensive line for 
Wisconsin, right? Like they're 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 a fun bunch. They're they're a pretty good group of dudes. Like they like to to run block. It's fun. Let's sponsor a bar on State Street and let's like after a couple of months of fifteen grand and all of a sudden you're looking at your books, you're going like, I need return on investment on this. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. The vast majority of fans that want to be involved in this stuff and throw some of those paychecks and maybe earn some business are way more like me, where I'm going to look at if my podcast is a Nebraska podcast and I've got a Nebraska edition of the podcast, I might go look at the Nebraska roster and open doors, call them up and say, "Eh, how much is 15 tweets going to cost me this week to get some players to send some tweets out about this particular episode to get Nebraska fans interested in our podcast. And that's going to cost me like 180 bucks (laughs) and, or maybe 280 bucks or 300 bucks or whatever. And after that, like I'm, I'm, I'm off to the next market. I'm going to look at the next market and see, Oh, this next week we did a pack 12 episode. Let, let's go check out Eugene and let's go check out Palo Alto. And maybe let's go check out Salt Lake city. And like, I need to, it, it has to be worth it to me to spend that money to make the money back on my business. So I, I just think same thing with the portal. We're going to see this uptick. We're going to see a company like, what was it? Yoke gaming. I've never heard of them. I, yeah. I, I don't know mm-hmm. anything about them, but you know, they signed up 4,000 student athletes, brilliant marketing strategy. Let's see how it works. Like are people all of a sudden all signing up for yoke gaming and we're all going to be playing on it. Like if that's the case, then it worked and they'll keep doing it. But if it doesn't work, like I haven't signed up, I haven't even looked at their website. I have no clue what they do. I mean, I, I do, but like, I honestly have, I have no clue how to interact with them or what, like I have no interest. Right. So it doesn't do anything for me. So eventually they're going to have to look at 4,000 sponsorship deals and go, well, is it worth it for us? And I, I think there are boosters that live in like this fairy tale land up here. And and this is a podcast, so you can't see me, but like way, way, way up high in this, in this world of like, we just have tens of thousands of dollars every month at our disposal to spend on whatever we want because we're just that rich. That is a very small collection of people in college football. So um, I think the vast majority of these businesses are going to have to operate on under normal business circumstances. So I I, want to go to Nebraska and talk about this, but I got to ask one follow-up on NIL because this is an internal battle that I've been talking about. So Miami obviously put the big sponsorship out there um, and they they put a lot of money. So if you hypothetically – or boosters, or you're going to say you want to get the bang for the buck. Do you think it's better to sponsor one or two players and make big statements, or is it better to give it and spread it through the roster? I think it's a great question, and that's probably no different than if I was sponsoring the USA basketball team, right? Like, do I want to buy all 14 guys and all 15 guys at maybe three tweets per player, or do I want the two biggest names at 15 posts a day, or, or again, I'm just making up numbers here. I think it's a great question. I, I think if you're the program and in Miami, in this situation, like you brought up Tyler, if I, if I was Miami, I'm sort of like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, nod, nod. Like we got both of them. <laughs> we got one group over here. That'll just pay you 500 to come on the roster. And then, Oh, by the way, if you're good enough, we might have somebody else that might pay you six, 15 times that much to to show up to do you know autograph signings on Saturdays because you you're the star receiver or, or whatever you know the high profile name so I, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both is sort of the perfect blend and again all the biggest programs should have plenty of that it let's say hypothetically I mean let's let's go back to 
not not to not to relive the glory days too quickly here, but if we go back to like like 97, 98, 99 and I don't know, your current head coach is the quarterback and he's sponsorable at like you know, a car dealership or a barbecue joint or a you know, pick a pick a local business like are you wasting your dollars even if it's small small amounts? Are you wasting your dollars on the defensive lineman, even if he might be an NFL player, like probably not. You're probably going to the Heisman quarterback, right? Like that, that's, right. that's probably what you're going to do. And, and that's probably, maybe that's like an, a, a really extreme example, right? But you know, you brought up Miami. Derek King is a, a really marketable name in Miami. He's not a marketable name anywhere else. Like this is the other thing. And I've said this a million times, like none of these dudes are marketable on a national scale. Like none of them, not like, Tebow to uh, Trevor Lawrence, maybe. Like ESPN can't even get Taylor Martinez's name correct, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you see what I'm saying though? Like I don't even I don't mean that to be rude. I just mean like, like get that you if you put if you put the defensive player of the year in college basketball, who is also a national champion right now, on a billboard across America. Not a single damn person is going to know who that, that guy is. But he's the best basketball, he's the best defensive basketball player in the world, or in, the, in college, in the, in the college world. And he's a defending national champ at Baylor. And not a yeah. single guy, not, not, not a single person driving past that billboard in Arizona or in New York City or in Georgia or in, you know, wherever is going to have a single, they have no clue who that is. I live and in Waco. I live in Waco. And I don't <laughs> think a lot of people in Waco would know who that is. Exactly, exactly. You now, now you put Chip and Joanne on a billboard, everybody knows. But that's everybody. a different story. Yeah, that's a different story. Um, ship laugh. Don't get me started. Um, I have no idea who Chip and Joanna are, and good. I th- and good. I think that's a good thing. So, uh, uh, moving to the Huskers. So, give give us your outlook in the 2021 football season. <laughs> wow, I feel like that's a loaded question. Um. Well, it depends on your answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't, I, I don't like make predictions. Uh, even though I work for a magazine that makes predictions, I don't, I don't really do predictions. It's not my thing. I am fascinated by people, by stories, by things that transpire in front of us. It is what I love about sports. It's what I fell in love with with sports was, and I didn't know it when I was young that like the reality television show aspect of sports is what I love. So this is how I'm couching my. You can tell how I'm hedging all my bets here. I, I, it is of all of the the programs and all the situations and all the jobs in America. There are maybe one or two, maybe one that is more interesting to me than Nebraska. So if that's, I, I think they will show progress. I, if they don't, Scott Frost is in trouble. Um, maybe not this year, but maybe the following year. Um, you guys again could probably tell me closer th- than I would know, but I, I think, I think as far as expectations of a hire, and you you said you're in Baylor, like the Shaka Smart hire at Texas is one of the hires that like I could just think of where like the entire universe, every human being, every expert that's ever known anything about college basketball, love Shaka Smart at Texas, love just brilliant hire. Tom Herman, frankly, let's go with Tom Herman, an even more noticeable name. 
I, I don't know a single human being that didn't like the Scott Frost hire at Nebraska. I don't know anybody that wasn't looking at the Scott Frost hire at Nebraska when he took the UCF job. <laughs> like, we were all pointing to that, like, oh, this guy up and come here, you know, brilliant offensive mind. He's the one who's running the show in Oregon. Okay, now he's going to go to UCF and cut his teeth, and he's going to come back. Perfect timing to take over and be the savior. Like, that's the way everyone thought. Like, that's not a Nebraska thing. That's every. That's all of us. We all thought that. So, again, I, I, I know I'm not saying, like, oh, I think they're going to win seven games. I, like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that because I don't have a clue. But I, I think that it is one of the most fascinating storylines in all of college football. And you've got a guy known for X, Y, and Z that hasn't been able to deliver X, Y, and Z. There isn't really an identity to what they're doing. All the best players are leaving, especially the, all the best players that would fit into that identity, supposedly, are leaving the program or have left the program. And none of that makes any sense to me as an outsider who looks at talented players, a supposedly talented coach. And I've toured the facilities in Lincoln. Like I've walked through the facilities and been like, this place is spectacular. Like if you get to campus, it's the Taj Mahal of college football. It's it's no different than any, it's no different than Alabama. It's no different than Clemson. It's no different than any of the biggest, best programs in America. You get there and you're like, holy good God, like this is insane you know, underwater treadmills and like, you're just like, what are we doing? And so like, there's no reason why it hasn't worked except for every, every thread you pull on, you pull on it and it goes right back to the coaching staff. And that's the, that's, that's what makes them interesting this year is that we either, we either going to see the progress. They're going to win six or seven games. The defense is better than we think it is, which probably it could be. Taylor, you know, Taylor Martinez. See, there I go. Adrian Martinez (laughs) actually actually shows the progress that I, you know, I bought into him hook, line and sinker as a freshman. And I've been disappointed as a fan. And, you know, all the things that we think should happen under Scott Frost that we that we thought were going to happen because he was hired the way he was hired and and his career track record showed us what he was going to be. All that either happens or it doesn't. And if it does then we've got progress. Everyone calms down. We all take a breath and you, you know, you're looking at a seven win season. Maybe you're in a bowl game. Maybe you get to eight and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're heading into next season with a lot of expectations. Do you think six wins lifts any of that pressure off of Scott Frost? You, you guys are far more qualified to answer that. Like you, you guys are living it, breathing it and you're there. This is where like being a guy who watches all 130 teams doesn't, it doesn't help me. Honestly, I'll just be, I'll just be fair here. Like, I don't live in the market. I don't live around the fans. I don't live in Bre- like, unfortunately I'm surrounded by like Vanderbilt people and Tennessee people and Alabama people and Georgia people. Like I'm in Nashville. So that that's what I'm surrounded by. Right. Thank God it's a carpet bagging city. So we've got like fans of, of every type and shape and size and color and, and conference, which is great. Um, but I, I can't like, people are like, Oh, the South Carolina fired Will Muschamp. I'm like, why, why in a pandemic are you spending $28 million on your, college education department in the state to fire a coach like i i just i it's it's hard to it's hard unless you're in the middle of it to tell like i if i saw six and six i would say okay mild progress not good enough for nebraska like definitely not good enough for nebraska but mild progress all right the buyout's still pretty okay the buyout is a factor here let's let's think through the the metrics and let's one more year okay let's do one more year like that's probably if i was in the meeting with, with the people that were 
you know, making the decisions. That's, that's sort of how I would see it. But again, like I'm not in the middle of it. I'm not the guy spending 35 grand on season tickets to have a suite and to be, you know, Hey, like here's my brick in the waterfall right when I enter the, <laughs> when I enter the facility, you know, those folks want results and they deserve results because they're paying for results. So, so I, I gotta ask, so, you know, I want to go negative to start and we'll end on a positive note and then turn it to Derek. But so you talked about it not working at Nebraska and as someone who doesn't tune in to probably every game and doesn't, you know, know the third string quarterback or necessarily and all that, why do you think we've been, why hasn't it been working at Nebraska? Like what, if you had a guess or put your finger from your perception, why do you think it hasn't been working? I, that is such an amazing question because even when I talk to coaches, I don't think opposing coaches know. And it's why I use the phrase, like when you pull on every thread, eventually it sort of traces back to the coaching staff. And that's a really nebulous sort of vague answer. But there's not like I can't sit here and be like, oh, well, Scott Frost isn't teaching the, the foot platform correctly to the quarterback so that he's throwing off his back foot and that the, the arm angle is correct. And then all of a sudden he's not reading the progressions. correct. Like th there's none of that. It, it's it's you even talk to opposing coaches and they're like, we don't know. We, why is this not? What, what's the identity? We don't see it on film. We don't see this, this or this. Now, I, I will say and this kind of. This is sort of a baked in excuse for everybody, but in particular for coaches in their first two or three years, last year is just such a, a, a crap shoot. Like last year doesn't count in particular in the big 10, in particular for Nebraska, where there was clear in, you know, instability within the, within the conference about what one team wanted to do and what another team wanted to do. Like I look at the PAC 12 and I just go like, I don't even, like, I don't even look at last year. as like a thing. I just go, whatever. Like Stanford was the best team. What are you serious? Like that can't be true. Like that didn't happen. So it's, Last year's one of those where you kind of just go, uh, I'm not sure. The SEC played 10 games, you know, 11 games for some of those folks. The Big 12 played a lot of games. We can argue whether or not that was right or wrong, but they did. And so you have a much larger, excuse me, sample size. So I I wish I could give you specifics like, oh, the, the strength and conditioning coach isn't doing a job or the, the defensive coordinator isn't developing talent, although I do think the defense actually could take some strides this year. And I'd like to see that. If that happens, that's another sign of, all right, things things might be okay. Let's stay the course. But I think people expected, I think people had massive expectations for the patron saint son come home to save the day. And I, and I, sometimes that's unfair. And is that right here or not? I, I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't know. I've talked, again, I've talked to coaches in the big 10 and, they cannot tell you why it's not working. And if they can't do it, I sure as hell can't. <laughs> I sure as hell can't tell you. Uh, yeah. But again, again, when you have an offensive minded coach with an offensive background, who's supposed to be an offensive guru and all the best offensive players are leaving and there's no identity on offense, there's no continuity and there's no development of the quarterback. I, who, whose fault is that? I, 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 it falls on the offensive coaching staff, including the head coach, in my opinion. So I, mean, I think that's fair. I think the buck stops there. I think Husker fans, um, you know, we've been asking that why we haven't turned the corner. I mean, I think the stat was Scott Frost has lost the most one possession games over his first three years in the country. Uh, you know, when you're losing those types of games, it, you're close. I mean, 
there's there's mathematical it's not husker fans saying we're close i mean there's imperial or empirical evidence that shows that we are close to being a lot better right but we're not um, so I think that's it. But let's, let's try to get on a positive note to get all the people <laughs> a I little give you bit a positive more excited. Note. I can give you a positive note. Sorry to interrupt. I can give you a quick positive note on the close game things. That tends to swing back to 50-50 over time. So if you give them three more years, you're probably going to win all those games. I'm just like, you know, in, in theory, close games are they're like turnovers. They're a 50-50 proposition over time, in theory, if you're into that math science thing. So yeah. there's a positive. I, I, yeah, that, that is positive. I know Phil Steele talks about that. Teams with turnovers, really bad turnover differential one year, usually flip the other way. And fortunately, Nebraska sucked at that too. So um, hopefully this is the. <laughs> I don't know so, who I don't know who that I don't know who that guy is that you just mentioned. I don't know who that is. Oh, Athlon geez. Sports, go buy a magazine. I, I you know, we, we support both. Uh, we we are supporters it's of both right here. Good. So my my last question. Uh, so if you look at Nebraska's 2021 season, like what? You know, I think about every team in the Big Ten. I can say that's kind of exciting about them. That could make them a good team. Um, you know, across the country, I do that. What would be Nebraska's thing if Nebraska wins more than we expect? Why is that? I, I love the, the 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 defensive development to me, and I've already alluded to it a couple times. I'm a nerd though. Like, if you're asking what's going to sell tickets and get get ratings on TV, it's going to be you know the quarterback developing. It's going to be uh, you know, receivers turning into playmakers in space and big plays, like chunk plays, right? Like those are the things that sell. But I'm not like I'm not your average college football fan. Like to me, like I knew I I know Nebraska growing up as the '90s Nebraska. Like I know I know Nebraska as black shirts, and I know Nebraska as you know finishing with Indomitian Sue, and I I know Nebraska as those types of dudes. And so when I see eight nine starters back on defense, a lot of guys on all the different levels coming back with a little bit of continuity, like what gets me excited is if you're in the big 10 West and all of a sudden you're playing a whole lot of 21, 17 games, a whole lot of 24, 21 games, because Northwestern offensively, we know what they are defensively, but they are what they are offensively. Iowa, I I think is always better than they, than we think they're going to be. Minnesota can't really get things like sort of like, I I hate to say this, like the boat's not exactly pointed in the right direction. Um, Wisconsin, Wisconsin always is just going to sort of outculture you like at some point, like we just sort of give them the benefit of the doubt with what they do. Well, if you, all of a sudden you show up with a defense, it's going to keep the game under 24 every night. Like that gets me excited. Like I, as a college football fan, I love watching that. I got, I, I, I enjoy that. So what gets me excited is a traditional Nebraska defense or even something that just resembles a traditional Nebraska defense. I know we're not going to get back to you know, like 95 or whatever. But I, I think that that's what gets me as a nerd who loves the product really excited because I love Utah. Like I love watching Utah. I enjoy watching those types of programs that are built on physicality and violence. And I know that sounds weird, but like just point of attack, like just like Iowa State. I love watching Iowa State because they are just so fundamentally sound so disciplined and so physical and that is what big 10 football is about uh that's what big 10 west football is about it's not about the flash and and that has many weaknesses when it comes to the playoff but not when you're playing in the division you can win a lot of games in the division when you're playing that type of ball and i really love that style of football so that's what gets me excited all right i I just kind of want to go back to the nil thing for a few minutes here uh i i listened to your uh, cover two podcast earlier today i i believe it was uh they were talking about you were talking about nil 
And one of the questions you guys talked about was whether or not Reggie Bush should get his Heisman back. <laughs> now, I also see on Twitter a lot that uh, Ohio State fans and, and, and Terrell Pryor and a couple of players are, are, are trying to get their wins back that were taken away from them. So I guess my question is, what, what's your real opinion on that? Because I'm, I'm in the boat of <laughs> you broke the rule when it happened. Like the, the rule was in place when it happened. So the, the punishment's already been taken care of. You can't go back yeah. on it. But I'm just curious what your opinion is on that. I mean, I would definitely suggest listening to the Cover 2 podcast to hear a full explanation. Um, <laughs> but rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Um, I, I, I think, like, as a Heisman voter, I got to be careful here a little bit because I don't want to, like, destroy the trust on this one. Um, I, I think they should make an exception, frankly, for this particular case. It act, what's, what's really funny is that it doesn't actually, it wasn't actually legal back then, what he did. <laughs> like, if, if, what they, what, if he got 300 grand from an NFL agent to sign with an NFL agent to go buy a house, if that happened today, it would still be illegal. <laughs> like, so it's not, it's not any less illegal, which I think is funny. I, I think what's happened is the court of public opinion has completely changed its opinion on the entire issue of athletes being compensated. When I started in, 05 to like, let's call it like 20, probably to, frankly, to Cam Newton, let's call it right. 05 to Cam Newton. People were still sort of outraged at the idea that an athlete should be compensated for his performance and his work. And I just think we've, we've just changed. Like the entire country has changed. The vast majority of college football fans have changed. We just sort of realized that if we are going to be actual Americans and be capitalists and believe in personal freedom and work hard and earn money that you are due because of the free market, that you sort of have to pay them in some way, shape or form. If that means that Reggie Bush gets a house because he's like the most spectacular player on the in, in football that year. I don't know. I'm with you. I tend to agree that like if the rule is the rule, even if it sucks, Todd Gurley should get suspended for four games because he signed an autograph. I hate that rule. It's a stupid rule, but it but it's in place and you broke it. And so I kind of tend to agree with that. The difference with Reggie Bush being that it's the only time it's happened in the history of the entire award. And because it's one time and it's one thing and clearly the NCAA screwed that up by going overboard on USC. Like they, they threw the book at USC, just like they did kind of with Penn State. And they, they screwed up in both situations, sort of overreaching. You know, maybe we could just say, look, like personally, if I voted that year, I would have voted for Vince Young. So I don't even think Reggie Bush was the Heisman winner in my own opinion. But like, <laughs> but, but like we all saw the games happen. I think it's a little different. Like, can you peel off the tattoo and like give it back like to the NCAA? Like, I don't think it's the same as the Terrell Pryor thing as much because you're just sort of like. You're, you're turning in some like big 10 championship rings. Um, I, I don't know. Like that, that, that is not to me. The Heisman is sort of like this one special thing that sort of stands alone. And maybe we make an exception for that one particular thing. I totally understand though. If you don't and you think it shouldn't happen, like I don't have a problem. Like, I kind of, I'm not losing any sleep on whether or not Reggie Bush has a trophy or not in his trophy case. Like maybe. that doesn't help me pay. That doesn't pay. That doesn't pay my bills. So, so I don't, I don't, I mean, honestly, like I'm trying to be, you asked for my honest opinion. Like, I, 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 I just think it's funny because yeah. you see a lot of arguments on Twitter about it. And, yeah, and to I, me, to me, it's like it's ten years. It's what ten, fifteen years old now. Yeah, cool. it was seventeen. I mean, who cares? Seventeen years? What? Yeah, whatever. I, I mean, it was. It happened a long time ago. So at this point, you're going, who cares? 
Yeah, I think I think vacated wins, vacated anything, is like the most toothless, soft ass. Can I cuss on this show? Sure. It is the most tooth is the most toothless, soft penal meaningless penalty the NCAA can dole out. Like, all right, let's say Cam Newton transferred from Florida, got kicked out of Florida for stealing laptops. He goes to Blinn Junior College in Texas, and he goes to Nebraska, and he wins the national championship in 2010. Then we find out that he was paid 180 grand to go to Nebraska. Does a single Nebraska fan care at all? Do their memories change because the NCAA's official PDF is different? Like, <laughs> no, no one cares. No, we all saw the games. We watched Reggie Bush jump over 13 guys against Fresno State. We watched him go push Matt Leinart into the end zone against Notre Dame. Like, we all know what happened. We saw the vote happen. We saw him win the award in a ceremony. There's an acceptance speech on YouTube. Like, none of this stuff is changing. Taking away victories and vacating things is one of the dumbest things the NCAA does. It has no it has no impact on any of this. There's been cheating. Like, now I'll go into my rant here. Like, there's been cheating in college football for 100 years, and vacating things hasn't changed any of it. Now we're going to try to pay the players, and I bet you that probably changes some of it. <laughs> go figure. Right. It, it seems like the NCAA has pretty much lost control of most of what they had control of to begin with. They they are they are they are a couple of years of over enforcement away of like kicking the Power Five out of the NCAA. I, I don't even say that lightly. Um, if I'm the Big Ten, and all of a sudden we're getting all this extreme over enforcement from the NCAA, which is really just a collection of universities. Uh, like it's not saying the NCAA, the football championship's not sanctioned by the NCAA. The NCAA doesn't handle scheduling. The NCAA doesn't do anything like <laughs> other than compliance for college football. And, and most of all these programs in America have their own compliance departments sort of self complying most of the time anyway. So it, it's just, like it, they have to be super careful here. If the NCAA, and again, I don't, I don't know what you guys think, but if the NCAA over enforces name, image, and likeness, over enforces transferring, over enforces sort of all the stuff we're talking about that changes the game at a foundational level, but not really at the fan level. Like on Saturdays, you're still going to watch the game the same way. But if you try to overreach here, what's to stop the the five Power Five commissioners from just saying like, all right, peace out, boys. Why would we keep what? Why? What are we doing here? Like, why are we even doing this? Can they Let's do just that? Take our ball. Absolutely. Like, what? What? What are they like? Think of and again. I don't like legally. I'm not an expert. I'm not a lawyer. But what? What is it that they would lose in the execution of their season to the to the real people that matter? And to the real people that matter, that's let's be honest. People buying tickets and people people that run television networks. Those are the two people that matter the most. And if I if I'm Nebraska and I can put the Oklahoma game in Lincoln at, and the NCAA has nothing to do with it. It's just like us yelling at Joe Castiglione on Twitter or whatever, like like to get him to keep the game like the NCAA doesn't do anything like they're not involved in that. And guess what makes money for Nebraska? Having Oklahoma come to Nebraska like that. That's so yeah. again, I don't. The NCAA is not involved in any of that. The only thing the NCAA can do to Nebraska is tell like Adrian Martinez that he can't take this many dollars for that many things. And that's it. Like they, they don't do anything else Leg legally. It's not an NCAA sanctioned championship. So I don't, I, they got to be careful here. Cause if they're not, if they're not careful, it's, 
the power five will fly the coop. And then all of a sudden, and again, for us as fans, nothing changes. What, what would change if it didn't say NCAA attached to it? Like what would change for you as a fan? Like, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. nothing. But let me just really quickly, because I've heard this argument. I just got to give two things. The difference is, is these five power five schools uh, get together. They're still going to get a new governing body. Like there's still going to be a new NCAA. So this, this theory that, well, maybe they'll just leave. They're just going to replace it. Because I'll tell you, Big Ten fans, they don't really love the Kevin Warren. They don't love the leadership in the Big Ten conference either. So I, I think that yeah. generally, like, you're going to still have rules. You're still going to have the same bodies. You're right about the NCAA, though. If you are uh, if you own stock in the NCAA, you should be scared. But <laughs> everyone else, it's fine. No, I I, I think you're right. But it, what it does, it, it, to me, it does a couple different things. And I will say... I think Kevin Warren, unfortunately, was just dealt like the worst possible hand in the history of college athletics. Like, I just don't like you're going to follow the smartest dude in the history of the sport after three decades into the most tumultuous and difficult situation in the history of the league. Like that. Good luck, dude. Like, have fun, Kevin. Like, good. Good luck, man. I mean, I don't know. Outside of like kicking Michigan out in like 1911, I can't think of a more difficult situation that the Big Ten has ever had to be involved in, or any other league for that matter, and a guy that has no experience following the greatest commissioner in the history of all leagues, basically. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I think you have to give him some time to sort of get his feet under him before we start levying official judgment on that. He definitely did not handle the rollout well. Like, there's a million things. I agree with all you fans shaking your heads right now going, what are you guys, what are you talking about? Like, I agree, like, it was a terrible PR scandal. They did a terrible job rolling it out. I don't think there was a lot of, like, not to relitigate this, but I don't think there was like a bunch of nefarious motives where people were trying to be like, oh, let's this is all politics. Let's get somebody elected. Like, that's a bunch of poor shit. So it, they just made a bunch of decisions that they thought were best for their athletes and their student body populations. And maybe they were wrong. OK, fine. Handle the PR better. Anyway, I do think that the governing body that you talk about that's newly created because of. The the let's say let's say they break away the power fives on its own. The difference is that in no other walk of life in America, in no other business world, do we put like northern Iowa and Iowa in the same business category. Like in no other fiscal realm do we have those two companies in the same category with the same legislation and the same rules and the same everything. They're not. Northern Iowa is a small business. Iowa and Nebraska are big business. And, and Ohio State's even bigger, right? Like, it's just, they're, they're not even in the same category of legislation. The rules are different and should be different for a program like, I don't know, like, like Arkansas State does not play the same game as Arkansas. They just don't. They don't. And, and financially, they just don't. And so having a new set of rules, a new set of guidelines, a new governing body that manages power five problems with a power five lens at a power five level, I think that's good for the power five. It may not be good for the NCAA <laughs> or any of the group of five teams, but if you're running a conference right now at the power five or you're the head of the president of Nebraska, don't you look at that and say, hmm, okay. All right. <laughs> That's kind of intriguing. I kind of like the idea of making our own rules because, uh, again, like, I'm trying to think, like, like Creighton and Nebraska are not the same business. 
They're right. they're just they're not the same business. They don't have the same budgets. They don't have the same anything. They they have nothing that's the same. One of them's got a, a you know Dougie McBuckets and that's about it. Like <laughs> otherwise they're just they're just not. I don't know. Like in no other business in America do we do this, where we put two companies that are so different financially into the same category with the same rules and the same legislation and and say play by these rules. That's not how it works in America. That's not how it works. Well, between NIL, the transfer portal, and now playoff expansion, I don't know if my heart can take any more changes to the NCAA <laughs> and, and you know, the structure of college football, which we all love. Uh, well, you've, if you've listened to the show, you've heard my conspiracy theory that the expansion of the playoff happened all exactly at the time that all this stuff happened for a reason, which is to change our discussion and distract us from all of the quote-unquote negative publicity and press and storylines and narratives take a shot that uh were happening in college football oh the transfer portal is going to ruin the game oh nil is going to ruin the game everything's going to ruin the game of course none of that it's true it's all fear porn but at the same time expansion came out you've been working on it for two years and it happens to come out the same week at the same two week span like i'm just sorry i don't believe that 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 was an accident that was that was college football power brokers saying you know what? I think we need to change what people are talking about. And if you just throw the word expansion out there, it's like a fly. It's like a fly lure. Like you just throw expansion out there and just pull it back. And media and fans just they go bonkers. They they lose their minds and they can't focus. And I, I, I will say, none of this is going to change anybody's experience on Saturday. Like none of this is, not any of this is going to change. Like Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa. Nebraska, Oklahoma, like you're still going to go to those games and sit in the same seat, wear the same shirt, sing the same song for the same, probably for more money. <laughs> but, but like, is your experience on Saturdays going to change because the wide receiver is making five grand from a barbecue joint? Like it's not, it's not going to no. change. So everybody, everybody just take a deep breath and let's just enjoy the, the new college football, which is going to look exactly like the old college football, except now your team has a chance to make the playoff. So. <laughs> Right. Hey, uh, Braden, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, let our let our listeners know how they can follow you and all of your content. Sure. Uh, buy a magazine. Athonsports.com, of course, is the website. You can go there and click the little button. Uh, there is the magazine right there. If you're watching on a video, if this is podcast only, then Athonsports.com. Uh, you can follow me at Braden Gall, uh, the Cover 2 podcast where we talk about essentially every team in college football, hopefully. We cover them as much as we can uh, every single week. Myself and Stephen Lassen. Check out that show. Rate, review, and subscribe. And if you care about Nashville sports, which I can't imagine you do, but if you do, then check out 440 Sports, my other company, which is a, a very hyper-local-based company about about Nashville. So maybe you got some Huskers fans in Nashville. Maybe they're all hanging out and they care about Pecorine retiring for the Predators. I don't know. We'll see. My wife <laughs> loves Nashville, so yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> We, it, it's it's a fun town, man. Come on down. I'll give you some good good spots to eat and drink, and we'll have a good time. Awesome. We'll be in touch then. All right, Braden, thank you very much for joining us. Always a pleasure, guys. Good to talk to you guys. And that's going to do it for us tonight. Big thanks to Braden Gall again for joining us tonight. That was awesome. Special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for our episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Oh,